Hey there, all you DC Comics news fans, DC Comics fans, fans of podcasts and such. You've arrived at the DC Comics News Podcast, episode number 159. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. Today I am joined by the brilliant, the amazing Mr. Brad Felicki. Brad, how you doing, sir? Hey, I am doing good. How you doing? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. All right. I... All right. I've got headphones on, but with the mic going, you're going to hear some rattling of windows. The wind is ridiculous today. I mean, seriously, like it's in the 30, 40 mile per hour range right now. And it's it's intense, to say yeah, the least. I, uh, I'm a coast <laughs> away from you, Seth, and dealing with the same thing. We've had wind all day. so. Wow, so. yeah. I was talking with my mom. Uh, she's located, her and my sister are in Virginia, and she was just saying it was cold. That there was a wind, but it was cold, and I'm feeling like those of us getting the severe wind or like the coastal, you know, like something's going on with the coast today, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's kicking. Uh, I was taking a peek, and uh, they were showing the wind speeds at one point. I don't even know if they've got them up to date now, but it was it was pretty severe. I was like, you you got to be kidding me. <laughs> How is that any good? Oh, yeah. Right now it's holding at about 28 miles per hour. But I'm like, seriously, that's that's not good. Anyway, so if you hear the windows rattling, all that, you know, that's we're OK. It's just windy. Uh, and I don't know if that's like any sort of a lead into our first story. But, man, I got to be honest, it's 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 getting to the point where you, you lose so many good people and you wonder how many more can step in their shoes? And hopefully that's always something we can see on the horizon because it was with a uh, real heartbreak that it was uh, announced recently. Um, actually, yesterday was the uh, first time I saw the report, so I, I think that's when. But uh, it was announced that comic artist George Perez has passed away at the age of 67. Um, Brad, how you doing? Man? What, what were your uh, thoughts when you heard the announcement? You know, this one, uh, this one hurts. Uh, and I think I mentioned this when we talked about his uh, original diagnosis a little while back. Uh, but for me, uh, he was the DC artist when I got into comics because it was right around the time of crisis uh, between his covers for that and his work on the post-crisis Wonder Woman. That was a very important work for me. So, especially from the standpoint of being a DC fan, this one really hurts. No one could draw a cover like him. And, you know, in the in the months since his diagnosis, I followed a lot of face group, Facebook groups, uh, you know, dealing with with him. And, and, you know, it just seems like he was such a great guy. Everybody loved him. Nobody had a bad thing to say. Always had a smile on his face, always willing to, you know, stay past closing at conventions to sign and meet, sign stuff and meet fans. Uh, he just seemed like just a great individual. And his, his work will go up there with some of the best comic artists that uh, ever were or ever will be. I mean, he he's a legend and. Uh, and by all accounts, a good person. And we lost, you know, that's that's a huge loss in the comics community. So, yeah, that that one really stung. Uh, what about you? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I say yeah too much. I feel it's my default pause while I try and collect my thoughts. 
And um, it's just heartbreak, man. I, I, it's, it's rough. <laughs> um, cancer is one of those just, it's one of those things where it, it's going to happen when it happens and it happens on its own time. And it feels like you're just, you're racing time once you know that it's something you have to fight. I don't know. It it was really just a surprise. It it felt like maybe there could be more time. Maybe there would be more time. Uh, There was such a spirit of giving right up until the last moments that I can think of hearing news the willingness to constantly be present for fans to give them a chance for one last signing, one last visit. Uh, it's tough. I, uh, I'm grateful that we can treasure his works, that, that he, he was able to make such an imprint that his second life will always be anytime someone sees his covers or opens pages with his work. You, you know his spirit is just sustained because of that. Um, and I can only hope that there is some comfort for the family, you know, the knowledge of so much he was willing to give and share. And, um, and that he was in this world with such a bright smile and he left it as the uh, announcement suggests in no pain. And uh, I'm grateful for that as well. Um, if you have any thoughts, if anyone listening has something they want to add, we, we welcome your words. We we look forward to sharing your memories as part of ours. Um, yeah, it's been, that, it's been gonna... a rough. Yeah, it's been a rough few months between you know, or, or you know, Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, and George Perez. Over the course of not too long a, a time span, that's uh, that's a that's a big loss for the comics community. Those are three really big names. It's tough. I mean. It, Neil Adams was such a big impact uh, talking about it last week it just seemed like it was so sudden like I mean I looked at the announcement again like did somebody repeat a headline or wait mm-hmm. no this is George Brett this is you know what I mean there was like mm-hmm. this confusion in my mind when I first read it like I I don't I ah okay so it is real so it is and then it was just sort of like accepting it you know but, you're right. I mean, and it seems like in the past months, in the past couple of years, we've had to say goodbye a lot more um, than I can remember in maybe the past eight to ten years. Um, and that's tough. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I'm grateful for every one of these times we've had a chance to talk about it on here, though. There is this processing, I guess, that occurs when you get to compare and share memories and sort of uh consider what somebody else is feeling as well as your own i i'm sure there's a really smart educated name for it but it helps to say the least you know it's Mm -hmm. it's like you can communicate with someone else in a language that you both understand um Mm -hmm. yeah i'm gonna take us on to movie news now and uh and keep in mind the fact that we we are lucky we can also talk about some other great things to look forward to and so many of them you know that can be sort of reminders of uh 
our first story this week. We have the announcement from Batman Movie News that there is a trailer uh, of the new Green Lantern, Beware My Power. I uh, was curious, Brad, what did you think when you got a chance to check out this trailer? I I liked it. Uh, I liked the John Stewart that we see in this uh, in this trailer. Uh, there's something about this trailer that is, this movie seems to have a little more maybe gravitas than some of the other DC animated movies. I'm not sure what it is. Um, John Stewart seems like a real honorable dude, you know, driven by honor and will. And I, I also think that the relationship between him and Green, uh, Green Arrow is going to be kind of fun from what I can tell from the trailer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, what about you? I'm looking forward to it. I do agree with you. There is a, a real presence and gravitas with this one. It it definitely feels like, uh, well, it, it, it feels like it's it's trying to set a tone for future movies that would feature Jon Stewart. It definitely feels like it's also trying to uh, create a, a different version of events, um, especially the reason why it appears Hawkgirl uh, makes an appearance the the story she tells about uh, a great tragedy suffered by the green lanterns and john stewart stepping into a role uh, there there were a few interesting things about those parts of the stories that really caught me um and also uh, i was really kind of thrown by his first appearance on the tower and the kind of savagery that the uh justice league reacts with it was very interesting um mm-hmm. i'm i'm thinking this is going to be along a very serious tone and I'm curious to see what more we'll discover with maybe another trailer and then, of course, when it comes out. But I do like this introduction of Jon Stewart in this uh, animated film. And I'm, I'm curious to see what else we can uncover because it looks pretty powerful. It looks solemn. That's the word I think I've been searching for. Now, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum is the DC League of Super Pets new trailer we've gotten. Less on the solemnity, but it does have some nice heartstring pulls that I I feel work well. Uh, Brad, what what did you think about this new trailer? And We also learned a bit about the plot, right? Yeah, we do learn a little bit more about the plot. One thing that I was surprised about is that there are – that the Super Pets we see – aren't necessarily some from the comics. Now, from what I gather from the trailer, it seemed like they were all shelter pets. And that includes Kevin Hart's character, who I who I thought we heard was going to be Batman's dog. So that that's kind of interesting. But I think the plot still is is kind of funny. And I like I like Crypto's interaction with Superman. Uh, and I like that little tiny cameo of Batman that we get uh, at the end. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. What about you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was really intrigued by the fact that there's that that great line of, you know, we're we're not like you. We're just some shelter pets. But now we've got these powers and the responsibility that comes with it. Um, I'd be curious to see, as you mentioned, how is it that these pets get associated if they do with other heroes and especially the idea of Kevin Hart's Batman dog is being like connected to Batman. Is that come about through the story or something else? Um, and, and then who are these pets connected to once it comes to an end? I, I'd be interested in that. Uh, but the fact that we start out with crypto uh, and Superman is a lot of fun, especially the fantasy sequence I enjoyed with Lois. That was pretty funny. Um, and, and just a little bit more, you know, sort of insights into, uh, 
crypto kind of leaving his world to meet up with these pets. And it's all because a very adorable looking but clearly nasty villain has put Superman in quite the vine. And uh, it's up to <laughs> crypto and the, these pets to help out. And you were right. The uh, that quick back cameo was pretty adorable. So between that and the uh, the reason for his gruffness, said Bruce Squeezy squeaky um that was pretty awesome so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna really enjoy looking forward to uh to what more we can discover and of course catching up after we've had a chance to uh check it out now we still have other movie news on the way including a cartoon network tease regarding teen titans go and the dc superhero girls mayhem in the multiverse what'd you think about this one the multiverse is all the rage these days. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I haven't really watched a lot of Teen Titans Go. I did see Teen Titans Go to the movies, which I really did enjoy, uh, and I've heard a lot of good things about uh, superhero girls. So uh, I think when this, you know, I don't know if I'm going to rush out to buy it on DVD, but I think I will try to check this out when it does come to streaming, and it's coming out uh, physical on uh, May 24th. So uh, it's not too long to wait. But I think, yeah, I, I think that um, this will be a lot of fun, especially if you have kids. Uh, uh, I think that they will they will dig this. You know, they, I'm sure that they're fans of the shows already. So, yeah, I, I, uh, this is another one I think would be a lot of fun. Uh, what about you? Well, I think you're definitely right. I think the multiverse has clearly taken over a lot of media and they're having a lot of fun with it. Um, so many different projects referencing the idea, something comics fans are like, but we knew it first. Anyways, um, I, I do get a kick out of the teen Titans go. I've only seen clips of things. Um, and the superhero girls are a lot of fun. My, my nieces are fans. So the crossover idea is a, it's a fun one for me. And I, I like what you mentioned about the fact, sure. You've got the home release on the 24th, then you can actually stream it on uh, or catch it on Cartoon Network in a couple of days after that. And then one month later, if you want to wait, you've got it on HBO Max. So plenty of options, um, whatever one works best for you. I'm I'm not going to lie in any way. When it comes out on HBO Max, I will definitely catch it. If I catch it before then, it's just good timing. Um, and if I don't, that's sort of a great comfort. Like, well, I missed but I've still got this to look forward to. So I think it's going to be a really fun one. And I, I think fans are going to enjoy it. I know I'm going to go ahead and make sure I forward this uh, story on to my sister and be like, hey, what do you think? Girls will like it or not? And <laughs> we'll see what the feedback is from that point. But um, it, it certainly is great to hear that there is more available out there. If you are a young DC Comics fan or animated fan or if you're really looking forward to introducing someone projects like this are always a great opportunity to uh, say hey have you seen this check it out i mean you never know you might like comics after which i feel is just the best thing to do now apparently there were some recent black adam reshoots and we have a set photo of dwayne johnson brad any insights you were able to grab from this quick pick I don't know about any insights, but, uh, you know, it's good to see everybody still uh, working hard to fight COVID. You know, everybody was masked up. So that was kind of 
nice to see that everybody's still being safe. Uh, you know, I, I just got to hand it to Dwayne Johnson for just keeping, you know, keeping this in our radar, like keeping this in the front parts of our minds here by keeping these social media posts going. Um, because I, you know, we it has been delayed, and that's the story we're going to talk about uh, next. I think so. It, it's good that he's still going out of his way uh, to to promote, and it and it seems like he really has not lost any amount of enthusiasm for this movie or the character or anything involved with it. So that's so that's good to see. I mean, given the fact that we have delays, I think that this is the um, the best that. Um, you know, that we're able to get right now. And I, I'm just really thankful that he's still so into it. And I just wish we could have seen this, the uh, footage that was released at CinemaCon, but uh, hopefully we'll get a, a, a trailer before too long. Oh, what about you? Yeah, that's some, that's some footage I would have liked to have seen as well. Um, here's hoping, right? And as far as the picture, yeah. I mean, the biggest insight for me probably is the fact that I don't think you would ever need to do a movie in 3D with The Rock because of the way in that picture. It looks like his elbow and tricep are like popping out of the picture. I'm like, good God, man. Come on. Can you get those muscles under control? Do they listen to instructions? Can you tame them in any way? And if you can't, it's fine. Just be careful where you're pointing those things. You know what I mean? Like you could really knock someone over. (laughs) It was it was like that was the first thing that caught my attention. I was like, my goodness, that's a big old left arm. Now, I don't know if that excited the dogs, but Bruno's here. Hey, buddy. He came to come listen in while I uh, I'm chatting here with Brad and he will snore. So um, or breathe, which sounds like snoring. So just be aware that it's now part of the soundtrack of this episode. Uh, we don't pay for that, by the way. Totally free. You're very you hear that. You hear that? Yeah, totally free. That's right. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I got a big pick or big kick out of that pick. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, more developments, as you mentioned, perhaps getting a chance to catch some of that great footage that we heard about, but we have yet not seen. And uh, talking about what Brad just sort of highlighted, alluded, uh, foreshadowed there, there there have been some recent delays and Black Adam's producer has gone ahead and offered up their explanation for why the uh, movie release date was delayed. Brad, what'd you think about the, uh, you know, this is why it's happening. Well, I, you know, I, I think it seems believable. Um, that's what I can say. You know, I'm not, not behind the scenes. So with these movies, so I'm not really sure exactly what's going on, but that definitely seems like it could be feasible that, um, that the special effects houses are kind of backlogged with everything coming out because everything was delayed because of COVID. Now everything is coming out. So there's a lot of work backed up. So that does, uh, it does make some sense. And I, and I can see why that would also be why they would switch super pets with uh, black Adam because black Adam's going to need a little more time. And that could be too, why they were doing some of these, these reshoots. So um, yeah, you know, this is COVID thing is something that we're going to be dealing with. It seems like for a much longer than we expected. So it's just one of those things. You just kind of got to take it on the chin and, uh, you know, wait a little bit longer. Uh, what about you? Right. Take it on the chin. Ah, little grin and bear it. You'll, you'll get there. I mean, <laughs> sometimes man, it's just about patience. Right. But I was really intrigued by this, uh, this explanation because it does offer an insight. I mean, 
I'm not a big enough movie person. I appreciate them. I enjoy them. Um, I'm glad I can have them in the parts of my day where they fit. But, but you know, it, it's not something where I have developed uh, an awareness for how many studios there are. When I was growing up, it was all ILM, and that was kind of it. And then gradually other, you know, visual effects houses became more established technology. Things things pushed. But how many there are actually? I couldn't name if I wanted to. And if it turns out the number that can handle these level of effects is only like five or six. And we know there's more than that in the number of movies that have been coming out, not just from D.C., but from every entertainment house. Yeah, it, it does make sense that if everyone's like, cool, we're finished. Here it is. And they're going, that's great. Each one of these takes this much time. And this is how many there are. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure that at some point there was that conversation of there's what you want and there's what's physically, like, logically possible. And I'm also curious if any of that had to uh, play into the decision like, hey, if we're already looking at a wait, why not knock out a couple of reshoots for stuff we can do better or change or Maybe even there's some exchange where it's like the video house or visual effects house is like, hey, if you can shoot it again this way with this, it might make things faster when we can finally get to it. So I I know there's a lot of that back channel behind the scenes stuff that I don't understand as well. And I already explained my limitations on visual effects houses and how many there are and what I know about them. But the idea that there's only so many and that there's, you know, apparently uh, a lot more projects than there are houses to do them yeah there's a queue get in line that's how it's going to go so i i find the logic behind the explanation um it'll be interesting to see if if it holds if that's the real main story or reason now uh in the meantime if you enjoy a bit of speculating over something like that well you could always enjoy potentially taking that same effort and energy and envisioning just what a Batman with Ben Affleck and a Deathstroke with Joe Manganiello would look like. And to go ahead and aid your imagination, we have some art that reveals something of what that show could look like. Brad, what'd you think about the story and the art? Yeah, the art, uh, the art looks really, really cool. Uh, I, I, man, it, it just really it's it's a real shame that he didn't get to play Deathstroke um like Dwayne Johnson he loved the character he really wanted to play it and he just he just never got the chance for reasons that were out of his control fans loved it too they wanted to see more of him that was probably one thing that people liked about the he theatrical cut of Justice League was that we got to see his deathstroke and he really wanted to play the character and never got the chance. And that's just, that's kind of a shame. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe it's, I don't, I don't know if it's bittersweet to see it because the art's cool, but we'll never get to see it realized. So that's kind of a shame. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, with eternal optimism, I say, maybe never say never. So who knows, but yeah, uh, the art is cool and it's a shame that we never got to see him more in that role. Uh, what about you? Definitely a shame we never got to see more. This art is such a, a great glimpse into what things could have looked like. Um, you know, it's really disappointing when you uh, look at the part where he was looking at potentially two movies coming out of this and and then nothing followed by 
a last minute announcement that they retooled the scene for that after credit scene, post credit scene kind of moment where he does appear. Um, and I like the idea that he seems um, undeterred about the idea of there still being a character who can appear <laughs> in whatever form WB works with and even going as far as saying, hey, how about an origin series on HBO Max? It could be a great idea. I think it yeah. would be a great idea. I'd be down to check that out. Um, it would have been nice if he could have had the same effect as Peacemaker and that got to be in a project first on the big then shift over this series. But I think the quality of what we've seen done on HBO Max from Warner Brothers so far, and, and you can point to whatever your favorite example of, one of mine's probably going to be the Watchmen series because that was such an original approach that also succeeded so well. So I, I know the future is unwritten. I also know the future still has some possibilities in front of it. We also know that we're still kind of working our way through whatever's going on with Warner Brothers Discovery and the merger and all that fun stuff. So I, I like that he's like, hey, nothing's been decided yet. So I'm still here. And I think there's still potential, which I agree with. And uh, I hope we get the chance to maybe suggest <laughs> there could be something else uh, along the way. As you mentioned, it's, it's a shame we didn't get to see uh, the movie that was originally planned. But this is a vibrant character. We've got an actor who's really passionate about it. I, I feel like there's something that can come out of that. Just depends on what the investment's going to be. Now, speaking about HBO Max projects, we have a tease from Black Canary's screenwriter. Brad, what did you think about this tease? Did you feel teased? Yeah, I just, oh, man. And maybe going back to the previous story, this could work out in Joe's favor. Uh there's a lot of turmoil going on right now between of what's happening with the CW. Uh, you know, we got some cancellations and we're not sure exactly they're looking to sell it. And it came out not too long ago that Warner brothers wants to kind of bring in kind of like a Kevin Feige type, maybe to oversee the DC movies. So man, it's just, I, I feel like everything is so up in the air at this point that I don't want to get excited, but I would love to see, uh, you know, Black Canary come back. And, and I love that, you know, uh, they're starting to tweet about it and things like that, because that was one thing that I really did enjoy about uh, the Birds of Prey movie was Black Canary. So I would love to see more of her. I just have to manage my expectations, giving the business side of things that we're dealing with right now. So, you know, my fingers are crossed. Uh, what about you? Always fingers crossed when it comes to news like this. Like, come on, man. Like, let me, like, can we, can we hope? Can we dream? Can we believe? Um, I, I love the fact that the photo shows that binder with the uh, Black Canary image there. I'm, I'm, or the the lettering for the, the name of the, the project. And I'm curious to see if we get any more teas. I mean, like you said, there's been a lot up in the air. It would be great to find out that this was happening. I thought Journey Smollett was a radiant Black Canary. And I think a project with her, and as you mentioned, a possibility of having Deathstroke as the uh, nemesis would be a great opportunity. You, you have so many dynamics that you could play with, with the two of them you know, facing off and the idea of maybe her still coming into her own as Black Canary and this being like a real a challenge, having someone like Deathstroke come to 
Gotham and who knows what else, or take it out of Gotham and go for an adventure. However they chose to do it, lots of possibilities. Would love to hear more updates. I like a tease, but then sometimes I'm like, eh, we'll see what happens. So <laughs> I can't guarantee that got me you know, going as much as I would like it to. But that is our final movie story. We're going to go ahead and shift gears into TV and streaming news. Because we're not done talking about DC projects we would like to see. And apparently, among them is the possibility of an Amanda Waller series on HBO Max, who we were just talking about, <laughs> and uh, Viola Davis in those talks. Brad, what would you think about this announcement, what it could mean for the future? Uh, you know, um, man, this is another one, given what uh, you know we had just talked about with everything that's going on in the business side of things, that... Um, you know, I don't want to get my hopes up, but two things that this has going for it is the fact that Viola Davis is in talks and she is such an iconic actress that that's going to give this a lot more pull. And the success of Peacemaker, uh, you know, that that seemed to be very well received and very popular. So maybe there's a way to get James Gunn involved in some capacity, whether, you know, maybe that is the spinoff he was talking about. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I have to take this with a grain of salt too. And just say, you know, I, I hope that with the, the powers behind this, that they can really push it forward because I think that, um, uh, Amanda Waller would make a great subject for a series, especially the one connected with the Peacemaker series. There's a lot of open ends there. So I would like to see those explored. So I would really like to see this, uh, you know, see this become a reality. What about you? Yeah, I, I, there's that, yeah, again. So <laughs> sometimes you just become really aware, right? I, I know that Amanda Waller is a very interesting character. I mean, I think her introduction, the, the first Suicide Squad movie probably established one of the key things that makes her an interesting character, a character people would want to watch. Making people go against their own best interests is what she does. And when she established that in the first Ayers movie, I immediately thought to myself, this is why this character is so dangerous. Overall, I don't like Amanda Waller. I certainly don't love her. Like, as a character, I get her role, but she's like a Lex Luthor. There's, like, some party that's like, ah, people like this just survive, don't they? Fine, fine. You know, and they usually get what they want, which is the hard thing about it. But that's also the fun thing about watching a character like this in a challenge, especially if it's about them trying to get what they always want to keep up that that fact. Or if it's about the, uh, you know, shifting of everything and, and there being a new a priority or be something else. I mean, I do like the idea that we've already had mentioned, which is this is a great spinoff. From Suicide Squad, this is a great opportunity to maybe take a spinoff in a different direction. As James Gunn mentioned, less of a comedy. Uh, she's a phenomenal actor. I think Viola Davis brings so much gravitas to the character, so much presence and bearing and weight. And I, I like what you mentioned with the idea of talks. I'm also uh, wildly moved by the fact that uh, we would be bringing on, who is it? 
uh, Crystal Henry from Watchmen. That's a big one for me because we know how yeah. successful that project was done. So if it feels like a dream team. It does feel like a great opportunity. And I also love that they mention in the comics how many different Black Ops things is she running? It would be fun to maybe show her sort of in charge of multiple teams and play with that. So a lot of great potential material here. Great actor to bring it to life on the screen all the engagement you could be looking for. It's just, I'll be honest with you, the whole time I'm going to be rooting against her because she's just not nice. No. Um, <laughs> well, maybe that'll, how, that, maybe that'll be how the series is kind of written, that you do root against her. That could be that could be a lot of fun. Definitely, definitely. And maybe even give a reason why at some point you end up rooting for her. You know what I mean? That that moment where they shift the perception and you suddenly see everything in a new light and you're like, hey, I get it. I get it. So, uh, OK, now how do we win this? <laughs> That's always a fun moment. I love the idea behind that. Um, I also love the fact that uh, the Titans in their season four will be visiting Superman City of Metropolis. Brad, what'd you think about this announcement? I know you enjoy the Titans. Yeah, yeah, this is cool. Uh, and that's one thing that I really do enjoy about the the about Titans is just the different places and the different characters we get to see each season. And I think it is time to bring in Metropolis. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Although I got to say that when I clicked this story, the Instagram picture was broken or removed, it said. So I, I couldn't see... Uh, it looked like they had some kind of picture, but I couldn't I, I couldn't see it. But I I am all for going to Metropolis in season four. And I'm also all for the idea of having Lex Luthor as a villain. And we knew we had known that Luke's, uh, Lex was going to be part of season four. So it does completely make sense that we would go to Metropolis. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to season four. What about you? Oh, yeah. Uh, Metropolis is a great opportunity. I mean, we can delve more into uh, into Superboy's, you know, dual parentage DNA, um, what it would be like to have him you know, meet the other participant to his life. Um, there's so many other great things you could consider with Metropolis. Remember, you know, one of the great ideas is the Cadmus Project and and one of the the fun stories in comics was it being right underneath metropolis all sorts of fun stuff like that that's in the area and then you've got this young person walking around with a superman t-shirt who can do superman like things in metropolis there's some fun to be had there plus i'm curious to see how it's going to be presented because uh it it we've already seen gotham and we've seen the dark and the gloom so often metropolis is comparatively the apollo the bright the light uh, how is that going to translate onto the screen and what sort of fun can you have with that so uh, i like all those things and their possibilities and i agree with you brad i did go to the story and unfortunately the instagram thinks is it's broken or something's happening with the image we were supposed to get with it and now i'm just left to wonder like what was it yeah <laughs> What was that? Ah, fine. I'm sure I'll see it again somewhere. I do know that I will get to see more about this because I have faith that we'll get more updates. And if nothing else, if I miss all of those, I'm still going to be watching season four of Titans. So uh, I'll get it at some point. One thing 
depending on who you are, you may or may not get, because that's always an interesting casting idea, is some concept art showing Cyborg as played by the rapper Drake. Brad, what did you think about this? Does it work? Did you dig it? Where uh, you, you know, I think it I think it does work. Uh, you know, Drake was an actor before he went into music. So it's not beyond imagination to think that he would have played Cyborg. Um, you know, given what happened with Ray Fisher and all of his problems, you know, with, with the production and everything, one has to wonder how would that have all been different had Drake been a part of that? Especially, you know, maybe maybe he would have gotten a little more respect out of Joss Whedon, given that fact that Drake was maybe in his mind a little bit of a bigger star than Ray Fisher was. So it's just, um, yeah, that's it's it's tricky hard to say. But I, I, in theory, I think Drake could have done a good job, and uh, you know, given what happened with the film, it might be better for his for him that he did not. But um, I, I think he could have pulled it off. And the in the uh, the concept art looks looks pretty cool as well. Um, although I think I like what we got a little bit better. Uh, what about you? This is a great picture. I love the concept art. I know because it's concept art, I'm not seeing the expression I would expect from the actor portraying the character when they're in character, which was something I always caught from uh, Ray Fisher's portrayal because he was the actor portraying the character. He knew what he was presenting. This is like you took a picture from somewhere else and then you you put it into Cyborg. So it misses that sort of human component to it. Um, what I do find really interesting is the, the layout, which I think is really sharp. I was intrigued by the Omega symbol there at the bottom for the dark side there, right underneath the chin, yeah. like as yeah. you go down towards the, the top of the chest there. Um, I also felt that I, I was caught by the look, but unfortunately, I was also so busy comparing to the performance by Ray Fisher, which blew me out of the water. I mean, the Justice League movie did a good job with it. Uh, for what it was but then when i saw the snyder cut version i was moved beyond words by ray fisher's performance it was captivating to say the least and my only struggle now is having seen that it's like yeah but man it's like watching christopher Reeves as superman afterwards you just go okay so how's everybody else doing living up to that and that's the biggest challenge with this i want this to be you know, a potential, but in my mind, could it ever live up potentially or surpass that, that memory I have of Ray Fisher's performance? That's a tough one. He brought, yeah, he, he brought a he lot really, to that performance. Yeah. He was really the heart and soul of the Snyder cut for sure. Uh, you know, he, and, uh, I wish you could have gotten more to do in the theatrical cut, but yeah, he, he was just, he was great in the role for sure. Yeah, he was absolutely phenomenal. There was there was a, a wonderful gift there. And and that's just the challenge. Anytime there's a, a bigger name uh, performer, you mentioned Drake has uh, prior acting experience, but there is a, uh, a presence and a bearing with that comes with the person he is now and the celebrity and the identity. And I would be really intent to say, look, if you're going to sell me on it, I'm going to need to see all of that drop away and this character shine through more than the person you are. 
or you know what I mean, the identity you've already created. If it's not a drastic uh, difference from that, all I'm going to see is that actor and not the character. And that that would be probably the hardest thing for me, I think. But uh, I'm intrigued. And I also know I'm just one opinion. So if you're listening and you have thoughts on that, you want to add to Brad and I, we'd love to hear it because I, I think that's where uh, you get the best results with that kind of conversation. One of the things we know that provides great results for us is always taking a break, let you know what's going on and how you can be a part of it and just, you know, keep you on the radar of everything going on around us. So we're going to take that quick ad break. Brad and I are going to be back because we still have comic book news and a little bit of other news coming your way right after this. First, there was the DC Comics News podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I Am The Night. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Wow, did it feel fast? It 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 should have because it was. We're back. The uh, ad break is over. You're listening to DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. We are talking movie and TV streaming. We have. Now we're moving all the way into that really good stuff. We're talking about the comic book news. Thankfully, you're not just listening to me. You're listening to the amazing Brad Felicki as well. And Brad, before we jump into all of our comic book news, I yesterday was free comic book day. I was curious if uh, you got a chance to do anything, what your experience was like, how you did or did not celebrate the day. Yeah, I, I went over to uh, a comic shop a few towns over here in New Jersey to Paradox Comics in North Arlington. 
Uh, and it was great because it was crowded, you know, a lot of a lot of people in there getting free comics. It was just, you know, it was it was a good scene. Just so nice to see so many people in the comic shop. Uh, and uh, the only problem is that it was pouring down rain. So, uh, you know, you couldn't really wait outside because sometimes there's a line. But um, I, I decided to go just a little bit later so I could avoid the line and, and got in. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I picked up the um, the the the. Um, Dark Crisis Zero and a few other things, and I think I'm going to go go back again this week and pick up uh, a few more things. So yeah, I, I had a pretty good free comic book day. What about you? Yeah, we, uh, you know, full disclosure, we a couple of years back moved into a house, invited my mother-in-law to live with us, and uh, had kind of a crazy week with her because she's having some memory issues and. There was a point like Thursday and Friday where I had a plan to just sort of like take care of some things. And in order to do it, it was going to eliminate free comic book day. And I can't remember. It was sometime like late Friday evening, Saturday morning. And one of those two and my wife was like, you know what? Let's take care of this. Let's get you down there. Let's do it. And I was like, look, I've already planned that I'm not going to be able to make it because we've got this stuff to do. And she was like, yeah, well, now I'm deciding that I want you to not worry about that stuff until after we've done this and i'm like that's why i married you right there um so i ended up making yeah free comic book day unexpectedly i'd already kind of written it off that i wasn't going to be able to do it and then it became a priority and (laughs) i was like i'm not going to pass this up cool thing is to my uh lcs um they do this great thing where if you bring in canned goods you increase the number of free comics you can take and if you bring in $40 $40 with a receipt of non-perishables. They even throw in a free tattoo and they've got a bunch of designs and there's a local tattoo shop that'll hook you up. Yeah. Right. Nice. So, oh man. I, oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's a pretty sweet little deal. So if you ever think you want to take a trip out here and schedule it around free comic book day, just know you can get a tattoo out of it and all it's going to cost you is, you know, some canned goods. Um, because we were so last minute, I just ended up grabbing um, one of the things my mother-in-law does is buy like 10 too many uh, cans of tuna and pink salmon. So I grabbed a bunch that I was like, we have far too many of these. I'm happy to go ahead and donate and got a bunch of books. I, I follow the thing, which is I usually get three books from my nieces and nephews and then the remainder I get for me. I did get the Dark Crisis one. Oh, and I love that there were one, some uh, bookmarks that had been designed and illustrated by guys who work at the comic shop, guys and Uh, people who work at the comic shop, male, female. And yeah, it was really cool designs. Those were all free. Plus they had doomsday clock posters, these sort of black and white with like a red doomsday clock border. It was, yeah, very sharp. So I was like, all right, going to get some stuff. And it was great to just see the shop full. Uh, they still require masks, even though, you know, some places don't. It was kind of fun because a lot of us had on the superhero masks that they were selling back at the beginning of the pandemic. So it was just a really good spirit, great energy, great to see everyone, great to see the shop crowded, like business. And yeah, man, it was it was an unexpected surprise and, and it was a lot of fun to enjoy. Um, and it. I don't know. It sort of adds that extra energy to the fact that we're talking about all these other great titles for uh, our upcoming comic book stories, like a sort of Azrael. 
announcement. Brad, what did you think about that? This should be a, a fun series, I think. Uh, and it's kind of cool to revisit some of these uh, other Batman characters because we've been getting so many new characters lately, Miracle Molly and Punchline. And it's uh, there's been a lot going on in the Batman world. So it's, it's kind of nice to take a step back from that to revisit another Batman character that we haven't really heard from all that much recently. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of looking forward to this. Uh, what about you? There are some great things to enjoy about this. Um, for starters, you had me kind of at Dan Waters. Um, recently, he's got the, uh, oh, is it the Arkham series? He's got a mini one going. And it's like, the I can't think of the title. Like, I'm totally butchering the title in my head, but it's like The Way of the World or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it is magnificent. He does things with language that I'm like, why can't the rest of us get away with that? Because he is so good with his writing, his description. Um, I loved his work on stuff like Lucifer and others. So I've been a huge champion and a fan. Uh, I also love the concept, which is that Jean-Paul Valet is back uh, in this series to protect a new Azrael. <laughs> it's like, so, you know, I love that kind of idea of what it's going to be like to do that. And then I, I love what you were talking about. Like, yeah, James Tynion IV has done an amazing job of introducing a whole new group of characters, Ghostmaker, Miracle Molly, so many others. But also, as you mentioned, what a great opportunity to always go back and consider. Plus, it feels like Azrael's getting a bit of a second wind with uh, things like Curse of the White Knight, where he's appeared in, and other storylines. So this seems like a really great opportunity to take advantage of that interest and bring us back to this character who is such a significant part of the, the nightfall series and night's end. And, and now to have him sort of, you know, taking in all of that in the addition of becoming like a mentor protector and who knows what else it might be for uh, this new Azrael. And also what, what's that new Azrael going to be like given that they're going to get some interaction with someone who knows what they're going through. And also, kind of what it means to to follow the orders of St. Dumas and then, well, maybe find your own way that clashes with those. It, it's It's got a lot of great potential in it, and I'm looking for, for it for all the reasons Brad said and the ones that I did my best to stumble through. With that in mind, I also love the fact that we've got more stories for you because they are, well, they're quite the bit of fun to enjoy and consider. So, what about this idea of uh, worlds without a Justice League and also a uh, a Super Robin and a Superman? Brad, Brad what do you think about this story and, and all the things we can sort of have some fun going? Is this what? I think the uh, Super Robin sounds uh, sounds interesting. Uh, yeah, I think this Dark uh, Crisis thing is going to be pretty monumental. And I, and as far as these specials, these Worlds Without a Justice League specials, I think that these characters are important enough that they deserve kind of like their standalone tributes. Of course, we know that they're going to be back. But still, with this moment in time, it'll be nice to have these tributes. Uh, we got a tribute to Superman, Green Lantern, uh, Wonder Woman, Green Arrow, and of course, Batman. Uh, and the creative teams behind this are kind of cool. We got Tom King, uh, 
we got Brandon Thomas, uh, 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 Philip Kennedy Johnson, Fernando Blanco, to name a few. Uh, oh, and I also mentioned that there's going to be backup stories. So we're going to get an Aquaman backup story, a Hawk Girl backup story, a Manhunter backup story, Black Canary backup story, a Zatanna backup story. So that's that's going to be a lot of cool things that we're going to be getting in these specials. And uh, it's kind of, I I think it's Josh Williamson has written so much lately and, and uh, it's kind of cool that these other writers are going to get a chance to kind of build on that, on that vision. So yeah, these should be um, specials that are just really chock full of a lot of, uh, you know, not just the story, but cool art. Uh, What about you? Man, you kind of covered a lot. <laughs> um, these are really awesome ideas. I, I completely agree with not only the original book, but the backup stories that's going to be in them. You were spot on with the announcement of those teams. Um, you know, so many of these different writers, I can go, yeah, that's the that's the one who got me hooked with this. And that's the one, you know, it's it's a lot of fun to uh, to look over what they've got here. And also that you've got um, backup teams for those backup stories. It's not like you've got one creative team doing the 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 whole book. It's like you've got this great creative team with the main story. And then you've also got these backup stories with amazing creative teams of their own behind it. It, it It's a lot of good stuff to enjoy. Um, I also feel like this is a great way to sort of set things up for what's going to follow the uh, the star crisis. And man, I'm also already thinking like, so what's this going to look like collected? It sounds pretty cool. I'm pretty sure it's going to be collected. What's that going to look like too? So, so many fun possibilities to enjoy, to look forward to. And among them uh, is our upcoming DC Celebrates Pride 2022. Brad, what do you think about the announcement of this upcoming anthology and the titles and the characters we have? Yeah, you know, we've we've talked about this before, but I think it keeps getting a little bit expanded. And we get, like we finally getting some uh, like a preview, some preview pages from it that look uh, really cool. Uh, and again, nobody does the anthology books like dc and this one is another one that looks like it's going to knock it out of the park great another one with great uh creative teams behind it travis moore stephanie williams uh Alyssa wong uh you know, i could go on all day naming you know the, the creative teams behind these but the stories are going to be uh a lot of fun so uh, again i i'm feeling pretty positive this week and saying that I'm looking forward to kind of everything that we're covering, but this, this looks good too. And, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, the mini series too, that were announced the, the Nubia and the poison Ivy and the Tim Drake. I think all of those are going to be, uh, a lot of fun as well. Uh, what about you? Yeah. I mean, one, I just keep saying that word because, and then two, <laughs> the pride variant, you know, covers that we've talked about, the the continued details that seem to be always available for us to be like, yeah, wow, check out that, check out that. And then, as you mentioned, the upcoming miniseries that are, you know, such great fun that we can look forward to. Clearly, there has been uh, <laughs> a lot of awareness of just how far they really can go 
with these characters, how much interest there is and how many possibilities are available, um, not only for the anthology, but as you mentioned, a Poison Ivy series, um, so many other great characters that we can look forward to getting a chance to shine again in books and giving us an opportunity to enjoy their stories along with them. You're right. I could be here for a half hour with us just going through the list of all the different people who are involved with these books and the creative teams. But instead, just go look for DC's Pride 2022 and you can check all that out at your heart's delight and then shout us about all the ones you're excited, just like we are, to enjoy. Um, it, it seems as though DC has really invested heavily in anthologies and i hope that just means more amazing stuff on the way for us all to enjoy now one of the great things to think about is that we can look forward to so many wonderful things that are always new on the horizon and then consider what their context would be like when you think about them in relationship to things like say detective comics number 27 i.e the first appearance of batman and an issue of that that is now up for auction brad We've been talking about auctions recently. We had a great conversation with some people involved with a very significant auction recently. Yeah, yeah. I imagine you have multiple thoughts about this story. Uh, yeah, this is really one thing that I find fascinating is that some of these books that are being auctioned off are kind of lower on the grading side of things, but they're still going to go for a lot of money. Uh, right now, the current bid for the Detective Comics is nine hundred thousand. So that that just goes to show how important these books are and how important these characters are. Uh, you know that all these years later, Batman is more popular than ever, and there's no reason to think that this. Detective Comics 27 won't go over a million when it's all said and done. Uh, and also, you know, when we talked um, about the other auction, it was a Superman number one. And it also looks like there's got Superman number one that is going to be part of this auction as well. But it's not as highly graded as the one that uh, that we talked about. Um, but, you know, it would be... <laughs> So great to have a comic that you could really see as an investment, like one of these issues. And man, a million dollar investment, that is just, that's a big deal. And that is a true, true piece of art. So uh, whoever wins it is going to be very, very lucky. So uh, if you got the money and you want to give it a shot, go for it. What about you? Well, Brad, you did it. I am now putting down my voodoo doll and I will not clothe it in the attire of the person who wins it and thus bring about all sorts of pain and discomfort. You're right. If they do have the money and they can invest in it and they treasure it as much as the rest of us, fine. You can have it and we won't be angry or at least I won't or at least I won't get out the voodoo doll. Okay. With that in mind, um, <laughs> it, it's pretty amazing, as you mentioned, the price for these books. We're also we're talking about the quality at five or lower on so many. That's pretty impressive. Um, but then again, if you got a chance to hold a piece of history in your hands, would you care about whether or not you got the best quality? Or would you just care you holding a piece of history in your hands? Like, you know, what's more important at that point? If 
holding that piece of history, no matter what the condition is the most important thing, you're going to be satisfied. I know I would be um, just getting a chance to say I've got it and I was able to share in part of its history for whatever short time I did. That's a gift, man. That's that's something I uh, I would really enjoy. Now, I was really sort of stunned when I got a chance to sort of glance at this story. It surprised me. Uh, but then again, there's there's always those things that just sort of happens. Uh, it was recently announced that Legends of Tomorrow canceled Earth Prime comic season eight. Has a storyline. Brad, what do you think about this uh, announcement, the story that goes with it? Yeah, it just kind of just makes it that much more painful that they canceled uh, the show. Uh, Legend of Tomorrow seemed the fans loved it. Um, It was so quirky and original and funny. Uh, The actors always seemed like they were having a great time. So it's just kind of a shame. And now we get this comic and we could have seen where the next season would have gone had we gotten it. So that's, again, that's kind of bittersweet. And it involved, it seems like it involved some, you know, booster gold. So that's always fun, too. So, yeah, just a real bummer that we're not getting more. We're not getting a season eight. Uh, what about you? I would have, I would have been totally fine if the cancellation meant we still got the book to enjoy the continuation of their adventures. But losing both just feels like, you know, kicking someone when they're down uh it's like ow oh wait one more ow man okay guys thanks are we done should i just hang out here for a while um i i really would have enjoyed seeing this story i hope that there's some bootleg copy somewhere you can get your hands on at some point and be like there you go got it you know who knows what can happen down the road but i i would have enjoyed having this as sort of like something to soften the blow and now not having it, it's like, wow, do do I even want to know that this would have been <laughs> something I could have had or would I have been better off never knowing? Uh, better to love and lost, right? With that, um, well, again, as I mentioned, there's always a chance that maybe we could still get our hands on a copy of that, especially if fans are like, what are you talking about? Just print it. We'll buy it. We don't just give us it anyways. Um, <laughs> we... Uh, we can always, you know, find a little bit of room for an extra great book like that. I know I'm going to be making sure there's room uh, for this upcoming Poison Ivy series because, one, you've got G. Jill Wilson, G. Willow Wilson uh, writing it and also talking about these things that she enjoys about the character and why they were a part of bringing her to life in this series. Brad, what do you think about this story? I, I'm a big G Willow Wilson fan. So, uh, yeah, anything that she writes, I, I kind of want to check out. I think air was a very underrated series uh, for vertigo back in the day. Um, so I, I'm happy that she's writing this and I think she's going to have a cool perspective and it, it, it's cool too, that she's, she has all that new perspective given that th- the relationship between Harley and Ivy has really been explored a lot recently whether it be these pride specials or in the animated series or 
uh, things that happened in the comics with Fear State. We're getting a lot of Harley and Ivy now. So it's going to be cool to even see another perspective coming from J. Willow Wilson and an idea. She says that it's a villainous love story. So, yeah, that could be that could be interesting. Uh, what about you? I like a villain love story. There's there's something about it that makes them uh, more endearing to me. A villain that's capable of saying, hey, I might not do what you like or my choices might cast me in this role. I still have these things which are valuable to me and important to me. And I feel like with a love story, you always invite the reader uh, into the chance that they can sort of get on the side of that villain just a little bit more. Ivy's been one of those great villains for me. Uh, I've enjoyed so many incarnations of her. Perhaps we've said it before, one of uh, a favorite might be the uh, Harley Quinn animated show in which that Ivy is is someone I want to hang out with all the time. I think is just absolutely hilarious and would make me chuckle and, and sort of give me that dry, ironic slice everything that's going on this this approach is such a great opportunity as you mentioned jubila wilson and uh how she's been making such uh great impacts on comics whether fully recognized or not uh, invites us to consider who is this ivy that we've enjoyed so much and what is she really thinking about things like the environment um her relationship uh, Things that have transpired, as you mentioned, from Future State, where we've seen her play a very interesting role, actually more than one, and uh, or Fear State, sorry, more than one, and in doing so, also invite us to consider what's next ahead for. Well, we now we get a miniseries that that shows us what that transition is like, and who also this uh, this Poison Ivy is, what she cares about, and her love story which I think is going to be something that, that really makes this series one to uh, one to celebrate. We also have some other news that we wanted to go ahead and share with you because DC Comics, they, they, they were comics first. They fridged into movies and television, and now we seem to find them creeping into other places. One of them would be uh, Spotify, where Batman Unburied has surpassed the Joe Rogan experience as the number one podcast on Spotify. Brad, what do you think about that? Uh, the, you know, man, that is huge because he, you know, say what you will about Joe Rogan. Uh, he is the king of podcasting. Uh, he, he He's always at the top of the charts. And the fact that a Batman podcast can, you know, get more downloads is incredible. And just goes to show uh, how popular Batman is. Batman is far and away the most popular superhero there is. And it just seems like there is just nothing that can stop that popularity. People just want all the Batman that they can possibly take all the time. And this is just an example of that, that he could beat out Joe Rogan. And there might be people kind of souring to Joe Rogan, so people might be falling away. But still, the fact that this Batman podcast can knock it out of the top spot is really impressive. What about you? That's extremely impressive. I mean, <laughs> one, just being number one is a big deal. Unseating the current 
or previous number one and doing so in such a short time period. Uh, I love the fact that the, we, we get kind of a sense of the time frame. The uh, podcast premiering on May 3rd. Um, today's the 8th when we are recording. That's that's quite a short time to appear and then take number one <laughs> for starters. Uh, two is the fact that we now have two episodes that are available. New ones are always available on Tuesday. So could that number that's got them into first place grow and and therefore create even more distance between first and second that that would be an interesting one to follow back up on but now um i have to ask i haven't checked it out um have you had a chance to i you know i have not uh, i have not but seeing this story pop up reminded me that i uh i have to uh, it's, 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 right. <laughs> you know, it, it's so hard to keep up on everything between movies, TV streaming and books and even music and podcasts. It's so hard to, to stay on top of every single thing. So I'm glad this kind of brought this back to the top of my list. So I'm definitely gonna have to check this out. I'm with you, man. It, it's not easy. I do my best, but yeah. Whew, there's so much, so very, very much. And with that, <laughs> it's like, man, how do you even, you know, how do you even know you're keeping up? Well, stories like this help where it's like, no, no, you missed this one, one you probably want to check out. And I can agree. It's something I want to check out now that I've heard about this story. And uh, I'm, in, you know, immediately just like, OK, so how'd you do it? And I want to see the parts where I'm like afterwards going, yep. Totally get it. Totally get it. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun uncovering what's so exciting and interesting about Batman uh, Unburied and and also what it could mean for future projects that we could also enjoy upcoming. Our last story of this episode is one in which there is a Gotham Knights leak of a four-player co-op. Brad, I am not the gaming guy. Help me out. What are we talking about here? Well, it looks like the game was originally set up to have two-player co-op, meaning two people can play as partners to go through the game. But now it leaked that it's going to be four, which to me uh, you know, makes sense because there's four characters that you can play, so why not have four-player co-op? Now that the game has been delayed, I think maybe that gave them more time to maybe, you know, perfect a four-player co-op so that four people can play instead of just two. But my 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 favorite way to play as a gamer is by myself. I don't necessarily like a lot of co-op, so I, from my perspective, I, I hope that they have a single-player option that you're not forced to play co-op. Uh, that would take a little enjoyment out of this game for me, I think. But I, I think I, I'm in the minority with that. So I think that generally fans are going to be pretty excited at the chance that this is going to be a four-player co-op and not two. And I think that it should be four. So, you know, hopefully that little bit of more time that they have can uh, can help them perfect that four-player co-op. Uh, what about you? Yeah, helping me understand what that means is huge, man. I really appreciate it. <laughs> like, I, I was pretty sure I understood what was that was that was going on. But I think giving the context for us just 
you know, helps us keep in mind the fact that, sure, we, before the co-op days, if you wanted to play a solo game, you could. And if you wanted to play with a friend and a two-player, you could. And then later, the, the co-op option was a, a pretty fun one. But you know, the choice usually is one of the biggest factors that comes down to why people enjoy a game so much. And that you can choose whether or not you want to do a single or uh, multi-person co-op is one of those things that i agree i hope that's something that sticks with the game just as someone who enjoyed them when i was younger and uh and knows what that's like to just get immersed into a game and not have to sort of make it something where you're coordinating with others that you can just lock in and do what you want but have the option if you want to have people join the fray and, and have some fun just hanging out playing something you enjoy it's a benefit um i i do think you brought up a great point too which the delay that would make sense if you're trying to, you know, incorporate a co-op that includes up to four people compared to two. Um, I just like the fact that it, it, it was something where you've got these, as they're called in the story, Eagle Eye fans just catching that detail and being like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And it looks like we'll get an announcement eventually. And uh, I like that this is an option people can look forward to. I don't always like the fact when we're at the end, though, and I'm like, oh, that's the last story. We're done. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, I've learned to adapt. And uh, once we're there, we're there, which we are, because we're here now at the end of episode number 159 of the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. I've been grateful each and every time I get to hang out with this amazing man, Mr. Brad Felicki. Brad, you always speak such words of wisdom. If people are looking to follow up or just keep up with you, Where's the best place they can find to say hi and uh, give their thoughts on what you've been talking about each episode? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. You can find me writing news and reviews for uh, DCComicsNews.com. And uh, you can find me also on the Mad Love Harley Quinn podcast. Uh, and what about you, Seth? Where can people find you? Oh, you can hang me. You can find me hanging out with you guys here on the weekly podcast. I, I've been known to squeeze in some reviews here and there on the DC Comics News uh, website, and uh, I uh, I'm just not on a lot of socials as much as it would probably benefit. So if you're looking for me, come find me here. And if you want to find me elsewhere, type in Seth Singleton and. You know, do all that stuff. But for the most part, just come back here. You're listening to me here. You'll find me here. Come back here. Come back here. (laughs) As far as uh, making sure you never miss an episode, as long as you hit the subscribe button on your podcast platform, whichever one you're listening to, you'll always get us. And if you've got friends you want to tell about, if you decide to switch to a platform other than the one you're on, we're all over the place. iTunes, Google stitcher spotify so many others whichever one's your favorite subscribe to make sure you never miss out tell friends so they know that they can find us on whatever their favorite platform is and guarantee yourself new weekly episodes of the weekly podcast episodes of the harley quinn animated series episode by episode show we have called mad love and the i am the night the batman the animated series episode by episode show as well other great content in store and on your way and you can then tell us what you think about any and all of those episodes on your favorite social media platforms facebook instagram twitter tumblr you name it just use the at symbol in dc comics news it's capital d capital c capital c o-m-i-c-s capital n-e-w-s dc comics news handle 
we'll get all your questions, comments, thoughts, and more. Love to hear them. Love to join in. And love the fact that we get a chance to do this for you each and every week. Until next week, a little something we'd love for you to always keep in mind. It's a mantra. It's a phrase. It's a saying. Sometimes we shout it. And that is to always read more comics. (laughs) There it is. We did Echo Effect. Not bad. All right. My time. Hey, folks. Take care of yourselves.